listen to this next part of blessing. Listen to this in verse six and seven. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. So when God blesses your, the man, he blesses their children. He blesses you financially. He blesses your relationships. And now he says, I'm gonna bless your emotions. Anybody ever get emotionally drained? So you have to get emotionally recharged. You have to know how to get emotionally recharged. And, and so God says, I'm gonna bless your emotions. You cannot, you cannot survive in the, well, you will survive, but you cannot thrive in this world if you're always emotionally depleted. You cannot thrive in this world. And you can't, let me just give you another secret of life. You can't always look to everybody else to be the one that, that, that fills you up. Sometimes you just gotta go have your own shouting session with the Lord all by yourself. Can I give you a secret to surviving in a, in a troublesome, crisis-driven world? Every now and then, you need to get out a pan of water and wash your own feet, get out a bottle of oil and anoint your own head, turn on your favorite dancing movement and just have a Holy Ghost party all by yourself. You don't need any band, you don't need any praise, you don't need a preacher, you don't need a prophet. You and Jesus just ought to have a good time. When you can learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, you're gonna be so much stronger because you don't always get that voice around you that picks you up. Sometimes some of you are living in circumstances where you're constantly being bombarded with things that are against you, but don't let that get you down. You are a child of God. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Pray in the Holy Ghost, which builds you up and lifts you up, and you get all by yourself and have yourself a dance party with the Holy Spirit. He's waiting on you. He's a great dance partner. Anybody figured that out already. Get out your oil. Give yourself some holy communion. Get out some oil. Slap it on your head. Wash your feet. Throw a towel over your, over your back. And say, Woo, it's going to get better here in just a minute. You don't need anybody. You don't need a cheerleader. You just praise the Lord until joy comes back into your life. Amen. Well, and then he says, not only that, you're going to have a blessed mission. That's the last thing. He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteous endures forever, his horn will be exalted in honor. So the last thing the Lord says is that you are gonna be blessed in your mission. So that's what a blessing looks like. Now we've only gotten to the first line, the Lord bless you. If you're blessed, that's what a blessing looks like. Then he said the Lord keep you. What does keeping look like? Well, the word there in Hebrew for keep is the word shamar, which literally means to build a fence around you, okay? So you might remember that old song, Jesus, be a fence all around me every day. Am I the only one? Well, that's a good song. I'm a, you just have to listen to the rest of it, all right? So it was an old spiritual. My daughter, Brittany, had that as a, as a ringtone. And, and that was also her alarm that woke her up every day during college. She woke up every day to Jesus, be a fence. Sometimes you need that reminder that he's a fence all around you. Well, that's what the word shamar means. The Lord keep you means I'm gonna be a hedge around you. I'm gonna be a, a protection around you. So Job, and I talked about this at the beginning of the year, how to build a hedge of protection. So Job basically built a hedge of protection two ways. You have to speak it over them and you have to anoint them with oil. So Job would anoint his children with oil. He did three things to build a hedge. He worshiped every morning. 
he spoke over his children and he anointed them with oil. And those three things, the Bible says, built a hedge around his family. Uh, one of the things that I did my whole, my children's entire life going to school, and um, you know, my daughters are grown with, I have five granddaughters now, so uh, this has been a long time ago. But my kids will tell you about it. If you ever get around them, ask them about it because they didn't always like it, but they knew it was coming. I prayed over them every day before they went to school, every day from kindergarten on to, on to college. And they had cars and I wouldn't let them, uh, they drove their cars eventually when they were in high school, but I'd have to pray for them before they got in the car every day. They begged me to ride the bus. I said, uh-uh, my kids aren't riding the bus. You can ride with daddy and I'm gonna let you out of the front door and I'm gonna wave and say I love you and all those things they didn't want me to do. And I was a little cooler than that, but I will tell you this, they got in my back seat and they knew what was coming, man. As soon as they got in that back seat, I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And I would pray the fire down on them. I would say, God, take everything out of their life. It doesn't need to be in their life. Take the wrong voices out of their head. Put the right voice. I mean, I prayed just like that all the way to the school. And then I say, goodbye, babies. I love you. Have a good day. And that's the last thing they heard from dad before the day. I took that serious. I did not want my daughters to leave my house uncovered. And you do not need your children or your spouse leaving your house uncovered. Now, I don't know who's the priest of your home because it's not always the man who's the priest. It's just whoever's the spiritual one that has taken up their authority. But whoever the priest is in your house, you need to start speaking life over your family before they walk out your door. I have a mezuzah in my house. My mezuzah is the blessing of the Lord. And, and, and every time you walk out the door to get in the car, you gotta walk under a blessing. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon them, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. You're walking out of a blessing. You're walking back to the door into a blessing. If you ever come to my house, you're going to see oil on the doors. My front door is an iron door and it's got oil and my redhead has it. She don't want to wipe that oil off. You can tell how many times I've anointed. It's just got oil running all. That iron door will never squeak. I promise you that because it's got oil all over it because I don't just do it one time. I go through my house like a wild man blowing the shofar. I'm taking this serious. The devil will not have my family on my watch. No siree. He has, he has got to go through me to get to my family. And you need to be that tenacious. You need to be that, you need to be that mad about it. You need to be, you need to be violent if you have to toward the enemy that is, not your family, toward that. Don't take that, don't be nonchalant. No, the devil is not gonna take your mind. He's not gonna take your will. He's not gonna take your soul. He's not gonna take your body. He's not gonna take your mind. He's not gonna trap you, not on my watch. I will be sober and I will be vigilant all throughout my children's lifetime and until the last breath is in my body, I will be their guardian of their soul and all of those that the Lord entrusts into my care. There's a warrior in me, man, and I don't mind roaring. I don't mind roaring at all. I challenge every parent here tonight to never let your kids leave your house without a blessing. You know what I do every morning when I get up? Every single morning. I did it this morning. I'll do it tomorrow morning. I'll do it the next day. When my feet hit the ground, I sit on the side of my bed, and before I do anything, before I wipe you know, my eyes or anything, I say this. May the Lord bless and keep you. I make the shin. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance. I don't care where I'm at in the world. 
I don't care what hotel room I wake up in or I wake up on an airplane. It happens the first thing on my mind. May the Lord bless and keep you. I say that over ISO. I say that over Ramp OCI. I say that over my church trainer. I say that over Brian Cutshaw Ministries. Every ministry that the Lord has me involved in, I just keep speaking. I speak it four or five times. I say it over my redhead. I say it over my children. I say it over my grandchildren. I want my family to be blessed. I want God to bless them, and I want God to keep them, and I will not go to sleep on my watch. I will not... I will not slumber on my watch. I will be sober. Everybody say be sober. Say be vigilant. If you're not sober, you cannot protect your family. Somebody needs to hear that word right now. If you're not sober, you cannot protect your family. Only a sober person can protect their family. Only a vigilant person can protect their family. All right. So the Lord make his face shine upon you is the third one. So when the Lord says I'm making his face shine upon you, you have to understand the key word there is shine because anytime you're seeking the face of God, you're seeking what's in front of God. So you know what you're saying there? You're actually saying, Lord, I want to know what you see. All right, so Brian, you're a big tall guy. Can I use, we'll do the, the Brian trio here tonight, or duo, duo, duo. All right, so here's the thing. If I want to know what Brian is looking at, I have to seek his face. All right, as long as I'm back here saying, boy, I sure wish Brian would come over here. I sure wish Brian Painter was over here standing next to me. That's not gonna happen. If I wanna know what Brian is looking at, I have to go until his face shines on me. Did you get it? I wanna know what Brian sees because I wanna know what my future looks like. Anytime, when you say, may the Lord make his face shine upon you, what you're saying is, God, show me my future. Show me my future. Show me what you see. Order my steps with your word. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Order my steps with your word. I don't, I'm tired of stumbling. I'm tired of guessing. I'm tired of walking blindly. I'm tired of, of moving one more time only to think I made one more mistake in my life. I'm tired of that. Lord, I want, to, I want you. I'm tired of guessing what you said. Give me signs and wonders. Give me confirmation. Give me the mouth of two or three witnesses. Thank you, Brian. I want to tell you something. I just, feel, I just feel the Holy Ghost telling me this. Quit trusting your emotions. Quit saying God said something that God did not say and setting yourself up for failure. Quit using God as the scapegoat for your own bad decisions. I can't do this because God told me I couldn't. That's not how God works. I'm sorry, you might think that that is not how God works. God is full of wisdom, he's full of grace, he's got his, God is not nearly as schizophrenic as some people make him sound. I promise you that. God is not all the time making you fail and guess and fail and guess, well I can't do it because God said it, God said it. Quit throwing out the God card and get out the responsibility card. Quit throwing out the God card and get out the accountability card. Quit throwing out the, now I'm preaching now. You might not like this, but I'm preaching now. Quit throwing out the God card and get out and, and, and throw away the lazy card and throw away all the other cards that go along with making God your excuses for not doing the right thing. The steps of a what man are ordered by the Lord? Ah, so that don't mean everybody's steps are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are being ordered by the Lord. And there's so many people, instead of seeking God's face and getting the, the mouths of two or three witnesses to establish it, Lord, did you say this? Don't trust yourself. Don't trust the fact. If you've missed God once, you can miss God twice. 
don't trust the fact that every time you, you see a shadow, you think you saw something. You go around, you know, and you want to start an evangelistic crusade because you, you saw something flutter in the sky. Don't, don't, don't quit, quit thinking every dream means that you've got to uproot your life because you had a dream. Now, you can have a spiritual dream, but not every dream is a spiritual dream. You've got to know the difference. Well, how do I know the difference, Dr. B.? God will establish it out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. God will establish his word. If you want to know if God said it, ask, say, God, prove it to me. Show it to me. Say it to me again. Let a stranger walk up to me and give me that word again. I need to know it's you because I don't trust myself enough. God, I want to know it's you. I want to see your face. Come here, Brian. I want to know your face. I will not move until I know what you're looking at. I will not make a step until I see what you see. Show me what you see. I'm seeking your face. Let your face shine on me. That's what it means. Thank you, Brian. Let your face shine on me. Woo, I didn't mean to get on that tangent, but it sure felt good. I don't know who it was for, but I really believe that somebody needs to be listening just now. All right, so Lord, let your face shine upon me. So the key word is shine. Lord, show me, show me my next step. Guys, let's be honest. We're living in a world right now where there is no playbook. Let's just be honest. There's no playbook for the world we're in right now. It, is, it, it just doesn't exist. And we have to have the Holy Spirit to guide us more than we've ever been guided before. And we gotta quit playing this I'm more spiritual than you game and always making it sound like the Holy Spirit cannot make up his mind. You are doing a discredit to yourself and you're doing a discredit to God every time you do that and you blame God for every foolish mistake that you make in your life. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. Do you understand what the Lord is saying? There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. Don't make a mistake that destroys your life because you cannot wait and be patient and hear the voice of God. If God is speaking to you, he will establish it out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, and in his word, God will establish his word in your life. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to hope in the word. Then he says, the Lord be gracious to you. I love that. The Lord be gracious to you. Um, when the Lord says be gracious to you, he basically is saying, I wanna give you something. Anybody ever gotten a gift that you didn't deserve? Grace means you do get what you don't deserve. I wanna see in the hand of everyone that God has given you something you didn't deserve, all right? So I, I wish I could raise both hands when I'm holding a mic in the do it anyway. All right, and if I could raise both feet, I'd do it. God has given me so many things in my life that I wasn't worthy of, that I didn't deserve, but that's the kind of father he is. I want to tell you, when you are blessed, God wants to show you his favor. God wants to, how many of you know that God can give you cars? Yeah, I've, he's never given me a car, but he's allowed me to give somebody else a car. He's allowed me to give somebody a car, so God gave them a car through me. So God has never given me a car, but the Lord allowed me to give somebody a car. How many of you know that God can give you a house? 
How many of you know that God can give you a trip? How many of you know that God can give you a, a, a scholarship? How many of you know that God can give you whatever, whatever you need? And sometimes he just gives you like, like handfuls on purpose. You know, he just, it's like, it's like Ruth. When she's needed to be encouraged, the Lord says, I know you're waiting on something big, but just see that, I left that for you. See that right here? I left that for you. I just want you to follow the breadcrumbs. And somebody's going to be disappointed when you grab this box for prayer later. But <laughs> I just want you to follow the breadcrumbs. Because all of this, if you can trust me for the little things, it's going to lead to something greater. It's going to lead to something bigger. You're believing God for something amazing. You just start picking up the little blessings. I believe I'm going to be gracious to you. I don't need your enemy's permission. I don't need your ex's permission. I don't need your mother-in-law's permission. I don't need anybody's permission. I'll be good to you because I'm a good God. I'll be gracious to you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You think you don't deserve God's grace because you're good enough. You're not good enough. Join the club because everybody feels that way. You don't think you deserve it because you're not smart enough. Join the club. You think you don't deserve it because you've made mistakes with your life, join the club. You're just like Abraham, and you're just like Solomon, and you're just like David, and you're just like all of those in the Bible that made mistakes and did foolish things, but God blessed them anyway. God used them anyway. God anointed them in spite of the flies in their ointment. The Lord blessed them and use them anyway. God says, I want to be gracious to you, not because of your degree, not because of your pedigree. I want to bless you because of you are my child and I need no other reason to bless you. Just that alone is enough. I want to tell you, my daughters know that what is mine is theirs. My house is their house. Whatever I have is theirs. They don't even have to ask for it and sometimes they don't. They just get whatever they need, and that is a compliment to their mother and I because I want to bless them for only one reason. They are my children, and I love them. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to pay anything. They don't have to do anything. Anybody feel that way about your kids? I just want to bless you because I can. I've got it, and you don't have it, so here it is, right? I just want to bless you because God's been so good to me. I am happy to share my, my blessings with you. That's what God is saying. I want to be gracious unto you. I want to give you things that you could not have on your own. Hallelujah. You know, as a matter of fact, while we're talking about that, I need some people to believe with me for a million-dollar miracle for ISO. How many of you believe that? God wants to be gracious. How many can believe that? ISO needs a million dollars. How many will believe that that will happen, all right? Now, when it happens, I'm gonna preach on it. I don't know if I'll preach much because I'll be shouting and falling out all night, but I'll be telling you about it. So you'll know when you come in here and Dr. B just laid on the floor speaking in tongues, just say, oh, I still got that million-dollar miracle, right? You're gonna know that because I'm gonna, or, or you might not be able to catch me. I might just do my own Jericho march all night long, you know? So I'm believing for that. How many of you will believe with me? See, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, God is waiting on somebody to pray a big prayer. God is waiting on somebody to have big faith instead of just moping around, hoping everything works out. Somebody needs to put on their boots and grab their sword and say, I serve a mighty God. I serve a powerful God. I serve, I serve the omnipotent God, the omniscient God. I am not afraid to ask big things from a big God who loves to bless his children. God says, I want to be gracious to you. 
Hallelujah. That's why we call those things that are not as though they were. Quit saying you are weak. Start saying you are strong. Somebody needs to hear that. I cannot back up from that. Quit saying you are weak. Quit prophesying your own death. Quit saying you are weak. Start saying you are strong. I can't, I want to, I want to go to the next point, but I can't yet. You got to quit saying you are weak. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing the man of God that God has put in your life tonight? Quit saying quit speaking death over your own life. Start speaking life. Say, I am what he is, what he says I am. I love that song that says, uh, I, I don't even know how the song goes. I've been singing it all week long. Something about I am because the I am says who I am. How's that go? Braden, how's that go? I am who I am because the I am says, tells me who I am. There you go. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. You need to start believing that. You need to start believing that your God owns the universe. You need to start believing that all power is in his hands. You need to start believing that those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. You need to start believing that there is a handful of demons, but there are mighty angels that fill this universe. God has not stopped making angels. You need to believe that God is able to do everything exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. You need to believe that my God can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You need to believe that all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. You need to believe that if God be for me, who can be against me? You need to start believing that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. You need to start believing that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, and goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. And all I gotta do is keep going to church. I will stay in the house of the Lord forever and goodness is following me and mercy is following me and blessings are following me. You've got to start believing that about yourself. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord lift up his countenance upon me. Now, the interesting thing about that is that in the, in the Jewish world, to illustrate that part of the blessing, they lift up a child and they hold them up. And I, I'm not going to do that tonight, but you would just hold up a baby or hold up a child and look at them. And what you're saying is, God, come near. That's what you're saying. It's different from the Lord, let your face shine upon me, because that means showing my future. This one means, God, come near. This means, God, I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you, but here you are. You finally showed up. Here you are, God. What was there is now here. What was a long way, what I couldn't reach, I can now reach. The person I couldn't find, I can now find. Thank you for helping me preach tonight. You're doing a real good job, by the way. So what you're saying is, God, come near. I'm not through. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I really am. I really am. What you're saying is, God, come near. The Lord lift up his countenance upon me. Lord, I want you to come near me. You know, one of the things that uh, the Jewish people do is they, they blow a shofar to bring God near, to bring God around. They blow a shofar. There's a reason for that because they believe that when Abraham went to sacrifice uh, Isaac, that the ram that was caught in the, in the bulrush was was the sacrifice what God saw and provided. So he named that Jehovah Jireh, which means God sees and provides, okay? 
Sometimes we, we say that God is my provider, but what it literally means is God saw what I needed and gave me what I needed. God sees and provides. So the, the tradition says that Abraham cut the, the ram's horns off and made the first shofar. And that that is the shofar that was handed down and even the one that the high priest blew, that they were blowing the ram horn that I, that Abraham cut off of the ram whenever he went to sacrifice Isaac and the angel stopped him. So when God descended on Mount Sinai and sounded like the sound of a shofar on the top of the mountain, the Jewish people believe that the devil, because of that scene, cannot tell the difference in the sound of a shofar and in the voice of God. So if you were a Jewish person and you were going to a hotel, you would put your shofar in your suitcase, and when you get in the room, you would take out your shofar and you would blow it in the room because they believe that if you blow the shofar in the room, that every devil in the room will have to leave because he does not know the difference in the sound of a shofar and in the sound of God's voice. They also believe that when you blow a shofar, not only are you running the devil away, but you're bringing God near because the voice of God comes to the sound of the shofar. They also believe that because the sound of a shofar sounds like the voice of God, that it draws in angels. So when you, when you begin to blow a shofar, that's the reason they blowed them for feast days and so many high holy days because the shofar was not just a gather, it was a gathering uh, symbol that God said was again, that's the reason we're gonna hear the sound of a trumpet at the rapture of the church, right? Because it's the gathering instrument, but they believe that every time you blow a shofar, you gather angels. One of these days, we're all going to be gathered to him, but now when you blow the shofar, you gather angels. So that's the reason a lot of people have those. And I have one in my house. I have one in my office. I mean, I have, I believe in blowing shofars. Maybe I should bring one with me and start blowing it. I guess I should someday because I believe in that because I believe that when you blow a shofar, it brings God near. I've, I have seen several people that were going through, um, deep depression, and the Lord told me, and some of them are sitting here tonight, so I won't embarrass any of them, and the Lord told me to get a shofar and give it to them, and so there's even people in this room here tonight that the Holy Spirit has told me, and that's a private chapter of their life and mine, so I'm not going to tell you who they were, but the Lord told me to give them a shofar, and every time they get into that place of depression, to get up and blow that shofar for that very reason because it runs the devil one way and brings angels your way and it brings God near. So that's what it means when he says, Lord, I want you to lift up your countenance upon me. I want you seem far away. I want you close. I want you close. I'm over here by Joel, my spiritual son. He lives in Pakistan. He's getting ready to go back to Pakistan. We only talk on the phone or a text message when he's there, but when he gets to come to the U.S., we always have lunch and all those things together. We're near. What was far away is now near. I'm saying, God, I want you close. I want you to lift up your countenance. I want to see you. I want to know you see me. So God, I want you to come near. Hallelujah. That's what you're saying when you get there. And then he says, finally, Lord, I want you to give them peace. Now, the word there is not just the word that we would count as peace, like, you know, a peaceful song or a peaceful scene or a nice little, you know, boat ride on a on a quiet day on the lake, that's not what peace means. Peace means shalom. And shalom means body, soul, and spirit. Some of your bodies have not had peace in a long time. 
Some of your souls had not had peace. You're having nightmares. Your soul needs to be at rest. Your soul needs to be at rest. Somebody need, you need somebody to, to shut those portals that are allowing that in. And we'll do that. We'll bless you and do that for you. I mean, that's, that's not something that's hard to do. We can forbid Satan entrance into your sleep world. We can do that. We need to understand that, that shalom means I want peace in my body, my soul, and my spirit. That means peace everywhere. I want, I want to live in a peaceful house. I want peaceful relationships. I want a peaceful relationship with my husband or my wife. I want a peaceful relationship with my children. I'm tired of chaos. I'm ready for peace. Anybody want that kind of shalom in your life? I'm tired of the chaos. I'm tired of the drama. Anybody tired of drama? Some people love drama. I'm not one of them. I just want to tell you that. I'm not a person that loves drama. I like peace better than drama. So I want the shalom of God over my life, and that's how he ends that blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. And he says when you do that, look what happens. When you say that over someone, he says, you have actually put the name of God on them. That means when a demon comes to you, he sees it. Y-H-V-H. yod Hey vav Hey, right there. Just like the Antichrist is going to try to say, you need this mark to be mine. God says, no, I'm going to seal your forehead. You know he stole that. You know the Antichrist is going to steal that idea because God is the one that said he will write his name upon your forehead. He's the one that writes that. He's the one that says that first. And so the Antichrist is using this mark as a counterfeit because the enemy, when he comes to you, he sees yod hey vav hey. That's not just Kathy Painter. That's yod hey vav hey. I can't mess with this because she'll start speaking in tongues. And, and when she does, I can't operate. Let me tell you a story of my life, okay? I wasn't going to tell this tonight, but I will. Back in, I guess it was 1987 or 88, when the Lord first called Faith and I to, to St. Louis, we went to pastor the small little church running 50 people. We'd never been to St. Louis before. It was just the first time we'd ever gone there. The Lord spoke to me and told me to go. This little church was uh, full of just older people. And uh, they wanted a young pastor, and I qualified. I was 24 years old. And so I said, that, I'm young. I don't know if I know anything, but I'm young. If that's what you want, I can give you that. And so I went, we went there, and to my surprise, in the, in the first year and a half, our church was still like 50 to 60 people. We hadn't grown very much at all. Uh, the, the occult started attacking our family. And it, it, it was a vicious ordeal. I don't want to, I want to go into too many details because we do have our kids here tonight. But it was a vicious ordeal. But I want to tell you that I stood my ground. And one of these days, I'll tell you the whole story because it's a, it's a dynamic testimony. It's a powerful testimony. I literally had to meet them on a parking lot. And so I had a showdown, just me and the Holy Ghost and them on a parking lot. And I'll get, I'll get to that. And I did it all night long. I stayed there till the sun come up the next morning and stood my ground protecting my family and my church. And uh, I wasn't packing, but I thought about it a few times. I was, I was packing in my spirit. But it was just me and my Bible. And I was out there. And one of these days, I'll tell you that story. So the Lord gave us a breakthrough. The Lord gave us a victory. And our church began to grow. And years later, several years later, there was a lady started coming to our church, and she said, um, she said, she called me Brother Cutshaw. Brother Cutshaw, I know you, but you don't know me. 
I said, no, ma'am, I don't think I've ever had the privilege. How do you know me? She said, I was one of the people in the Church of Satan, which is the group that came against us that was assigned against you. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, we were fasting, we were praying, and I was one of those that wrote signs because they had to write signs, and they were deflating my tires in my car and doing all kinds of spray painting and all this kind of stuff. They were doing all this kind of stuff. for This went on for several months. And so I said, well, well, what happened? I said, all of a sudden, it just went away. After that night, that showdown, it just went away. She said, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. She said, um, I said, what, tell me this. Why did they want our little church? Out of all of St. Louis, why did they want our little church? And this is what she said. I'll never forget it. She said, the Church of Satan wanted to move its headquarters from San Francisco to St. Louis because it was in the center of the country. But they cannot operate within five miles of people who pray in tongues. And she said, we only targeted churches. She said, even though you had a little church, I was leading all these warfare prayer meetings. I'm telling you, me and those old saints, we were having ourselves a time. There wasn't much of us. We'd get in there and we'd shout and pray and shuck a buck and everything we need to do. I mean, we were, we were praying and I mean, we were praying hard. We were going to battle. I mean, we were broke and we were small and, and, and they brought this 24-year-old pastor in there and that's all I had. I didn't have much, but I had a battle. I had a battle cry. So I went in there and I mean, we were praying hard and praying in the Holy Ghost and they said we could not operate near a church that prays in the Holy Ghost and she said we only targeted five churches out of that whole thing because these are the only five churches that were leading prayer meetings that prayed in tongues and she said when you guys pray in tongues you shut everything down we cannot we cannot operate nothing we cannot get through that line when you begin to pray in tongues the Holy Spirit rises up and it was the most amazing thing God had put his name on us. I want to tell you, when the Lord says, I can't go after this lady because she's got yod hey vav hey right here. And the minute she starts speaking in tongues, we have to back up because we don't have power over that. We don't have power over the third person of the Godhead. We don't have power over the Holy Ghost. We don't have power over the Holy Spirit. When we had you in fear, we had power over you. When we had you controlling everybody, we had power over you. But now that you surrendered to Jesus and you're praying in the Holy Holy Spirit, we can't do a thing about that when God's name gets written across your forehead. And that is the reason that it's so important to pray in the Spirit, but it's also important to bless people and the name of God is written on them because it backs up the gates of hell. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, we have to believe that. It doesn't just mean that. That means if I, if I am praying, and here are the gates of hell, if I take a step this way, they have to take a step backwards. You can push hell and darkness out of your house. You can push the devil out of your city. You can push the devil out of your church. You can push the devil out of your ministry. All you've got to do is hold up the shield of faith and begin to speak and, and the heavenly language the Lord has given to you. And with the name of God and the blessings of God over you, every Every time you step this way, he has to step backwards until you push him in and out of your way. How many of you believe that? Give God praise tonight. Amen. All right. I'm going to wind this up. See, it's so, th so they shall put the name of God on my children, and I will bless them. 